0: Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Is He Real Podcast? And I am your podcast host, Leslie Quasarano. I am so excited to be doing this and sharing my journey with you um, and sharing other people's journey because I will have um, interviews and special guests along the way um, on my podcast. So just a little background, uh, today is June 5th. It's a Friday, and I'm starting this podcast in the midst of some heavy stuff. This country right now is experiencing a lot of turmoil. We are going on the eighth or ninth day of complete protesting across the country, not only across the country, but around the world because of an innocent black man named George Floyd, who was killed by a white police officer. And he was murdered. And when I say innocent, you know, there is a story that the reason why the police arrested him is because he passed a fake 10 or $20 bill. And I don't know if it was ever proven that it was fake. And so that's why I say the word innocent. But either way, even if it was fake, George Floyd did not deserve to be murdered by the police officer. So we have that going right now. And it has launched the whole conversation again about how black lives matter. And that it needs to matter. All lives do matter. All lives. And if we say all lives, that includes our black brothers and sisters. And so things have to change. And I feel it. I feel that the world right now is ready for that change and we are at the cliff and we all know collectively that we're going to jump and some might some might survive it some won't or some won't. or some might be too afraid to make the jump and they'll stay behind and that's okay but as the human race we are ready to commit and make things happen and that is why you're seeing what you are currently seeing in this in the United States of America and around the world. Oh, and did I forget? We're also in the middle of a pandemic that we have not seen since the likes of the Spanish flu in 1918. Um, I believe, I believe, as this day we have over 1.7 million cases, over 105,000 deaths. Our unemployment is 14.7 in the US, and we have over 30 million Americans filing for unemployment. Pretty scary. Not only that, um, you know, our economy, we're at a standstill. The country was shut down. We were sheltered in place for almost two months. And with most small businesses suffering the most from that shutdown. And our battle cry throughout this, you know us Americans, we love a slogan. And we were saying that we are in this together. But in reality, the virus has been politicized. And now, unfortunately, so has George Floyd's death. And the fight and the right for black lives. The country is divided, red versus blue, and we are further apart than we have been. And this, my listeners, is how Is He Real podcasts came about. When I started to share, my thoughts about this podcast to friends families um, my pastors I received some great feedback but along with that feedback you know I was being asked why why a podcast why did you want to start this now in in our current condition well honestly that's why as I was looking around and seeing how us as Christians, we, I thought we were supposed to be the leaders. We were supposed to be the ones that people looked at and said, oh, I want what he or she has. Because they're just being loving and they're, walk- and they're walking through this, arms wide open, saying we will get through this together. It's got to be okay. We know who's in control. And we may be out or down, but we are not out. But it was the opposite. And so I was bewildered and I was confused. I felt bamboozled. I really felt manipulated. These are some of the people that I looked up to as a baby Christian. I'm new in my walk. And, you, you, and just like anything, just like when you have sobriety, you, you need your sponsors. And I thought the ones that I chose were the right ones. And actually, they're demonstrating something totally opposite. And so, yes, our cry was that we are in this together. But we're not. We are further apart than we ever have been. According to Wikipedia, Christianity is the most adhered to religion in the U.S. with 75% of polled American adults identifying themselves as Christians. That was in 2015. That's over 240 million Americans. However, according to the Pew Research Center, the U.S. decline of Christianity continues at a rapid pace down almost 12% from year-over-year 2018 to 19. So I became very curious about this. Why? Why such the decline? Not only the decline, but we're not adding anybody else to the fold. No one else is coming and finding out about the good news of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I have one more stat, but I feel like I must have a disclaimer here. So hence, here it goes. My podcast is not a political podcast. There's no political affiliation. I have voted red and I have bo- voted blue. But in this episode, and I'm sure in episodes um, in the future, you've got to set this, this the stage and have contents. And so you will hear throughout these episodes, I'm sure some political... Um, contest foundation, but this podcast is all about the living king. So with that being said, according to a Pew poll report taken in February 2020, 52% of white evangelical Christians view our current president as a leader who fights for what they believe in. But only 15% of them, of white evangelical Christians, believe he is morally upstanding or honest. How do those two equate with each other? What? So you can understand why I am confused. Why I feel bamboozled and manipulated. How does that make any sense? Especially for someone that's still growing and maturing like I am as a Christian. And it's not just the stats that I've just read to you here. I'm witnessing this through my social media, my Facebook, my Instagram, my community, the churches. I'm witnessing, as I put an air quote, that double talk saying that you will hitch your wagon to a leader because they believe red or blue. But they do absolutely the total opposite. And I get it. We can fall prey very quickly. But we must fight harder than that. Aren't we called to fight harder than that? Aren't we called as Christians to stamp out this double talk? I believe our Heavenly Father has called us just for that. Because as Christians, we are called to be salt and light. Matthew 5, 13, verses 16. And salt and light stops the moral decay and the light illuminates Christ's presence in our lives. Right? So now you understand my problem and why I'm feeling all this I don't know for lack of a better word betrayal. And so what I'm observing Is that there are a lot of Christians out there. Ones that I even know and call dear friends. Jesus is not the center of their lives. Because if he was. How as a Christian. Can you get behind a leader. Any leader. Church leader. Group leader. Work leader. Any leader. Who will fight for what you politically believe in, or what you what you hold to be your views, and to live life here on Earth? But is morally bankrupt. It just can't happen. It, 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 you can't have one without the other. Christ demonstrated that. Throughout his time when he was teaching, those three la- those three last years of his life, Christ's leadership style was characterized by compassion, love, and servanthood. And great leaders, they lead from the inside out. Jesus focused on matters of character, and at the core was his integrity. The religious leaders and uh, law-abiding citizens back in his day, they tried constantly to get him to choose, to pick a side. And he wouldn't do it. Because he knew if he did, then he would be labeled as not the son of God. So, to me, I think it's as simple as this. I'm actually reading um, The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. I highly recommend it. And he writes this question. Does Jesus only enable us to make the cut when we die? Think about that. And I love that question. Because what he's saying is that as Christians, are we just checking off our, off the uh, checking off with, with with a check marker that we're going to heaven because we're saved by Jesus? Well, I don't know about you, but Jesus is more than our passport for our eternal life. He is the living King. He is alive and well today with me right now, with you right now, with you as you listen and with me as me, you know, hosting this podcast. And so that's my underlining mission for this podcast. And I pray that Jesus will use me and fill me with the Holy Spirit so I say what moves, what I, so my words will move Christians who are struggling or find it challenging to bring Jesus into every aspect of their lives. And I know it's hard, and you know I have to <laughs> quote Joyce Meyer here, when I say that I am definitely not where I need to be, God is still working on me, but I'm not where I was. So I have a little authority here in this conversation. And I know that if you bring Jesus into every aspect of your life, financially, with your relationships, with your career, parenting, family, health, mental, physical, emotional, even your sexual um, relations with your husband or your wife, everything can change. Those strongholds can be let go. You know, I know what Jesus did for me and continues to doing for me. And I'm hoping that I bring that out to you in this podcast and, and for future episodes. And as a certified life coach who specializes in insisting others to move forward in faith, I believe my skills and those skills will be helpful here as well. So if you're still with me, let me just get you started on who I am. Now you're gonna hear a lot more of my story in the weeks to come and hopefully months and years. But just to give you a snapshot, I had spent over 25 years in corporate America as a corporate business manager. And at the height of my career, I was making over well over six figures. I'm a single mom of two beautiful now adult children, Dimitri and Lana. I have been divorced twice and recently ended a 15 year relationship. But my real claim to fame is, I always like to tell this story, is that I turned 50 two days before the country completely shut down. And I like to joke about it and say that the world just couldn't handle it. Leslie turning 50, who would have thought, A, that I would ever make it to 50. But I'm here. And you know what? I'm embracing it and I'm loving it. But you know what? I have, when I look back in my life, I've really never been happy my journey has been very extended, tiresome, painful, and lonely. It was also filled with a lot of heartaches and despair. I battled depression and alcohol and at the height of um, my downfall basically, I would consume any drug I could possibly do and I would actually act out in any sexual indiscretion I wanted to. But you know what? I would not change a thing. And why, you ask? Because in my despair is when I met a man named Jesus. You see, I grew up as a, in a Catholic household. I get it. We went to church every Sunday. My parents even had me baptized. And I believed that there was a God. I just didn't know him for most of my life. My belief in God went like this. God had one job, and that was to get me up in the morning. And if he chose to do that, well, the rest was on me. Mistake number one. My ego, E-G-O, edged God out. You see? So I was already set up for failure. I was doomed from the start. When I do look back onto my life, I just see nothing but fear and anxiety and just not feeling like myself. I had no idea who or what or why I was here. I always felt I wasn't good enough, not pretty enough, not smart enough. And I was definitely different from my friends and the neighborhood kids. You see, back when I grew up in the late 70s and early 80s, I was the first family of color. I'm a Hispanic woman. And I was plopped in the middle of white America. And I was not too fond of it. And it led my long obsession of pretending to be anything besides me. So throughout the years of creating my smoke and mirrors, which appeared from the outside that I had it all going on. I was popular. I made my way in through the clicks. All my friends were beautiful, blonde, blue eyed. And for some reason they, they brought me in and I was grateful. I had it gone, all going on. And, and I used that throughout my teen and adult years. So if you looked at my life, if you were a member of my circle friend or family, You thought I was winning. And it worked for a long time. But in in time, I developed a coldness. I became very detached, shut down, but still projecting superiority because I never wanted anybody to see me crap. I was emotionally not available to anyone, including myself. And eventually the alcohol and the drugs and my many, many sexual indiscretions and the spending that I was using to create all these smoke and mirrors was how I coped with the reality that my foundation was non-existent. It was built on sand. I had no moral or value compass. And I was thinking fast. I remember that Tuesday night, three years, almost three and a half years ago, like it was yesterday. And it started like any typical morning. I woke up hungover. Got up mad started yelling at the kids for whatever ignoring my significant other at the time and off to work i went and after a long grueling day at work i arrived home and that's when i proceeded with my nightly purge you see there was this unwritten rule in my house no one could take a shower approximately one hour before my expected arrival. You're probably thinking, what the heck is that? Really militant there for a shower. No, there was a reason behind that shower. See, that shower for me and all that hot water that I needed was to rinse away all my filth and lies and shame and guilt that I had felt. That hot water was like a lifeline for me to hang on to get to the other day, the next day. It was truly the only thing holding me together. Of course, along with my nightly bottle of wine. But I remember coming into the house and I still the picture sometimes still comes into my my my, glo- my uh, forehead here, in, in my mind, my lobe, my frontal lobe, sorry. And as when I walked in the house, in the kitchen, was Warren, my significant other, my son Dimitri at the time was 19, my daughter was 17. And they were doing what any normal family is probably doing at that time, talking about their day and getting dinner ready. And they looked so happy. Just joking and having a good time. But I came in. And the whole place, the whole energy was sucked out. And everybody started basically standing at attention. They were different when I was there. I made my family different because of who I was. So I went into the bedroom, got undressed, walked into the bathroom, turned on the water, slipped off my robe, opened that shower door, ready to step in and get my little ounce of hope again. And then all of a sudden, BAM! ice cold water. It felt like knives piercing my body. Someone had taken a shower. Someone took away my lifeline. And just like that, everything went dark. I got out of that bathtub, opened up the door and started running down the hallway into the kitchen where Warren was cooking dinner. My son was on playing on his phone and my daughter was there all talking about their day, having a good time. And I bust into that kitchen and I started screaming, who took a shower? Who took a shower? All I asked is one fucking thing. One to take a fucking shower when I get home and you ungrateful son of a bitches can't do that. Who took a fucking shower? And it was at that point and I looked at my daughter and tears were coming down her little face. And my said, my son's head lowered in shame. And it was then when my boyfriend looked at me like I had went crazy. As when I was when I realized I was standing in front of my family naked and wet. The tears started coming down my face and I turned and ran back into that bathroom and as the crying became uncontrolled sobbing the tears and the snot running down my nose I looked into the mirror and that's when I saw the sticky note and it read mom The handyman had to turn off the water to fix the water tank. It might take a little longer for your hot water. Love you, Lana. At that moment, I heard my spirit break. I knew I had lost the battle. I climbed back into the tub, now filled. the top with hot water and I proceeded to cry like I've never cried before and I slipped under the water and I remember hearing nothing but I saw my son's head lowered in shame my daughter crying and my boyfriend's face looking at me like, I have no idea who you are. And I said, my family deserves so much better. I'm destroying my family. So I closed my eyes and as, and as I was about to open my mouth preparing to drown is when I felt this loving embrace and it pulled me up and it said no no my daughter I love you Surrender it to me. And I knew who it was. And the harder I wept, the tighter the embrace. Jesus was holding me. And he had left the 99 to come and get me me. So just as we are crying today in this world, that black lives matter. We're not discounting the other lives. But just as Jesus came to me, he is saying, that sometimes we have to leave the 99 to go and fight and save that one. And on that night, three and a half years ago, I was that one. And I don't recall doing it verbally, but I know with my body and with my emotions and with Everything I had, I slumped into his arms and I told him, I surrender. Now, I would love to say the next day, my life completely changed, but it did not. The next day started like any other, hungover. But, however, there was the hope And the love in my soul. You see, walking with Christ is not easy. Quite the opposite. But God's glory is not just in our salvation. It is in the transformation. God didn't leave me how I was in that bath. He didn't leave me feeling alone and empty. He didn't leave me feeling like I didn't belong or I didn't matter. No, he came and got me to change me from the inside out. God does not leave any residue. And when he saves you, and he starts working on you, and he starts working on your heart, then your behaviors change, and your decision-making changes. So it's impossible to say that you know and you have surrendered to God and Christ if your behaviors and decisions have not changed. And if you're not leading from a place from your heart, if you're not leading with your heart, if you're not showing that compassion that we need to show our brothers and sisters that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't have the same ideas like us, that may not have the um, that live in the same neighborhoods as us or have the same social economic background as us. If we don't have the compassion and love from them, then he hasn't changed you. And God does not lie, so if he hasn't changed you, it's because you're lying. You haven't accepted Jesus Christ, the Living King. because I started identifying very quickly and he started shining the light very quickly on things that were not pleasing to him. Like my drinking and my anger and the fear and the despair and the anxiety and all my lies that I had been been living with. All my sexual indiscretions even living with my boyfriend that I've, I loved for 15 years. But being obedient to our Heavenly Father, it's not easy. There are days I want to go back. Listen, the enemy convinces me and you and everybody else that it's more comfortable to go back to bondage. Because even though I was in pain and miserable, I knew what to expect I knew how to handle it I was on the broad road I could blend in not anymore Jesus has called me out and he's called me to a newer level And what I know now is that all those things that I was trying to fill the void in my heart was really making me feel empty, lost, and scared. And that space in your heart should only be filled with one thing, the living King, Jesus. You know, sadly, you know, as a woman, I know we are always critiqued either by people we know or by ourselves. Society can pit us against each other and there are constant reminders that we are not good enough. But I pray this podcast with the Holy Spirit will soften your heart and will help you to allow Jesus to guide every aspect of your life. And if you're not sure about this man called Jesus, I hope that this podcast inspires you to get to know him. We all have a story. We all have a testimony, just like mine. You have yours, and others have theirs. But our story is our strength, and it belongs to us. It belongs to you, like my story belongs to me. And God does not compare it or you to anyone else. And you do not have to either. So I thank you for listening to the first episode of Is He Real? Check us out every Friday. You can also go to my website, Leslie Quasarano, ChristianLifeCoach.com. Until next time, God bless you and I love you.